Welcome to the Agony Aunties podcast mini-series. Each week, we're diving into some of your questions and offering our unique insights and therapeutic expertise to help you navigate life's challenges. As seasoned therapists, I'm quite a lot more seasoned than my daughters. We're here to share our thoughts, perspectives, and a dose of compassion. So get ready for each episode where listener questions take centre stage and we do our best to provide you with thoughtful guidance and a touch of wisdom. So this is a question about grief, which is, I have just lost my mother, who I cared for for over six months. My sister is trying to take over. I'm sure this is very common (laughs) in families. I have a few thoughts, but let's start with yours. I think when a parent dies, especially when there's no parents left, it opens such a can of worms in terms of unfinished family business. You you don't say what your sister is trying to take over. Like, I'm not quite sure exactly what is being taken over. I imagine that you feel kind of understandable resentment around the fact you carried the burden of caring for your mum and suddenly she sort of turns up and wants to be involved in whatever way she's trying to be involved. And you're doing that in the context of grieving for your mother. Is there any way that you can separate the two? The task of grieving from kind of the complications in your sibling relationship, like allowing yourself time to grieve, because post-death relationships, I think, are really, really messy. Like, are there things that you can just leave (laughs) and just focus on the kind of task of grieving? I think often you know, when, when parents die, the the competition that can happen that's often really about love but gets acted out in who gets what's money, who gets what possessions, control. who's in control, who arranges the funeral, who does the eulogy, you know, they can become incredibly important people because they become representations often in people's feelings and thoughts about how valued they were by that parent and also how they will be seen by other people as valued by their parents and it can all get quite tangled up and as em said particularly if there's a complicated sibling history that sort of resurfaces one of my maybe things i would suggest is there ways that you can connect with your relationship with that parent that's died with your mother the ways that you love them the way that they loved you whether that's memories or photos to feel a bit more secure in the bond that you did have and that might help to take the volume down on trying to chase each other in terms of who is more this or less that. In charge. In charge, mm. because it's like if you've got their love inside you and you feel them, then some of that stuff is going to be less reactive, even if it's still difficult. I think that's really good from both of you. I think what often happens is that pre-existing fault lines get played out. And so, you know, the practical idea would be to sit down with every member of the family and have a conversation about, you know, what are the tasks? What do each of us contribute to and what can we do? And how do we want to remember our mum? And of course, the funeral is one of the last things you do is an act of love for the person that's died, in this case, their mum. But often those practical solutions, you can never get to happen with some siblings because the last thing they will ever do is sit around a table and be reasonable and talk to each other. (laughs) Like what you're both saying, surrender the need to have control or maybe pick one thing that you 
really mind about and aim to try and get influence to have that and focus on the power and the importance of your relationship with your mum and validate that. So the other question in this segment of Agony Aunties is, how do I grieve the loss of a difficult relationship honestly? I think honesty is really just the capacity to let yourself feel what you feel when you feel it. There's not like a should or wrong or right in feelings, like they're all valid, even when they're completely contradictory. So I imagine at the end of a difficult relationship, you might be feeling relieved, uncertain, sad, excited for the future, like lots and lots of different feelings. And just allow yourself to have all of those and allow yourself to grieve maybe what you might have wished the relationship could have been or what you were hoping it was. And then for whatever reason, it didn't turn out that way. Yes, I think that's a piece that people often forget about is that when you grieve a complicated relationship, it's that piece of grieving what you didn't have, as well as the bits that were good and managing the bits that were hard. I think sometimes writing a letter to the person that's died can be quite a useful way of um, processing all the different voices or parts of you that may be running at the same time. I didn't assume they died. I thought it might just be like the end of a relationship. That's so interesting. It never crossed my mind. Uh, My assumption was that it was like a relationship that couldn't continue for whatever reason. And it is a kind of death and it's definitely a grief. Yeah. Living loss, ma'am. Living loss. I mean, but who knows? We don't know. Because I think you can write a letter to somebody when they're alive, can't you? And just not send it. Definitely. You could also do a ritual that marks the end of the relationship, that puts in the good things, puts in the bad things, gets some friends to come around with you, kind of light a candle, play some music, do, you know. Things you want to let go of, things you want to hold on to. Things you need to say, things you want to learn. But I think it can be a helpful thing. It's sometimes what's difficult also about the loss of a relationship, whether it's through grief or an ending, is having a way of talking about it to other people. You know, when she said, honestly, people have an expectation if a relationship ends that you should be straight up sad or grief. And if there's also relief or there's anger, and you can end up saying things lots of times over and over again that you don't mean and don't feel true. And it can be quite frustrating because it's hard to give the non-societally expected answer for us when we're out in the world. And I think it actually is sometimes really worth sitting down maybe with a, with a friend or with a therapist, be like, what is a sentence that I can give that feels honest without going into it, that does say something about what I'm feeling? Because people will often say, oh, how are you doing? How are you? And to be able to say something that does feel honest, it's less isolating, you know? Whereas if you're going, oh, yes, I'm doing okay. Obviously, it's very sad. Or it doesn't feel real. It kind of can add to the feeling of feeling cut off from all the people around you who you've just told something that doesn't feel true. And then also don't get the follow-on questions from the people that you might actually find helpful of like, oh, that sounds tough. You know, do you want to talk about it? So I think sometimes just working out a sentence that says, no, I'm feeling really sad about it. And on the other hand, you know, we ha- we did have quite a complicated relationship. So I've got quite a lot of other feelings in the mix as well that I'm trying to figure out. And it can be quite succinct. And actually, I think that's true for when somebody dies as well, as particularly if someone has died with a lot of illness for a really long time. It can be so societally difficult to acknowledge the relief and the freedom you feel from not seeing them suffering, from not doing the care, from all of the worry and anxiety and 
agony of seeing the person you love in the process of dying. And you very rarely hear people say publicly, you know, there's a big part of me that feels relieved. Or that when they're dying, they want it over, that they want it to end because it's unbearable, the not knowing, the waiting, the suffering. So I think that's really useful for both. Sometimes in the process of those endings, whether it's through grief or loss of complicated relationships, there's a disentangling that happens of kind of what was my part in what was complicated between us. And actually going to therapy or talking it out or, or writing can help clarify like what parts do I feel actually I was responsible for and what did we co-create together? Initially, I think when we're in anger and hurt and loss and sadness, blame is our first route. And actually blame is quite a circular place. It's quite hard to leave when we're in blame because it sort of self-perpetuates and it's a very natural thing to feel. But over time, we are able to get a better internal ending and closure on something if we can parcel out those bits of like, yeah, and I did this and they did that and we co-created this. And there is more peace. It doesn't mean they didn't do those things. And also, I think with time, you can have compassion for why the person was the way that they were for all sorts of reasons that make somebody complicated who not treat other people as they should and things like that. And I think maybe over time, you also have more space to think it wasn't okay what happened. And maybe all of these things contributed to that person being the way that they were. And you know, most people are, are doing the best they can, even if their best isn't okay in a relationship sense. Thank you both for your wisdom. And thank you for the people who asked the questions. Obviously, as we've said before, we have very limited information. So we're just giving our best answers for what we say. And if they don't fit, just chuck them out. Do continue sending us questions. We love doing these little mini episodes. If you think this episode will help a friend of yours or a family member, do share it and rate and subscribe. Really thank you for listening. Bye.